0: It's my privilege uh, to be here with you this evening, and I want to talk about happiness. The world is too full of anger and hatred and misery, and the world needs a happy child. I think there's a picture of a happy child that's going to come on the screen in just a moment. There she is, a happy child. Now, that is one of the most happy children I know. That's my Lucy, my granddaughter. I know many of you are thinking, well, listen, you don't know a happy child. I have a happier granddaughter. No, well, you can show her at some point, but for tonight, this is our happy child. <laughs> I, was, I was at a uh, graduation. My grandson, five years old, had a graduation last month. You know, they graduate everybody from everything nowadays. And he had a graduation, and part of the graduation was for the 2- and 3-year-old class to do a performance. Lucy's in the 2- and 3-year-old class. And so they did this song where they, it had motions where they would lift their hands, and they would shake their head and roll their shoulders and stomp their feet, And so Lucy was up on stage and just smiling, just like that smile you see there, and she was smiling at us, and I was smiling right back at her, and they were singing that song, and I found myself going, when they go, raise your hands, I'd raise my hands. They go, roll your shoulders, and Lucy would roll. I'd be rolling my shoulders with Lucy and and then stomping my feet when she had to stomp her feet and shake my head. And I was doing all this thing. I was caught up with Lucy, and I I look around, and everybody else is... (laughs) uh, How cute. How sweet. How wonderful our children are. And I'm doing all this crazy, and all of a sudden I stop. The point is that happiness... That came out of her heart and joy in her life was contagious and and I got caught up in it and one of the main things if we can get in our mind tonight and in our body and in our soul and all that we are if we can learn to live in happiness we will be contagious to other people the world needs happy Christians we came across this video. I just thought it's an example of uh, some contagious happiness, and you may get a kick out of it as well. great. It gets us laughing. There's joy that comes out of the bottom of their hearts, our precious children. Jesus said, let the children come to me. He knew something. There's something real and deep and precious in the life of our children, and it's contagious. Happiness is contagious. And as I mentioned before, the world's screaming for someone. To stand up and to be joyful, to be happy about something, to have the truth of Jesus Christ well up in you so much that it overflows and explodes into the lives of other people. If you've ever been to Yellowstone and watched the Geyser Old Faithful, you'll know that people gather around and they just sit and they wait in anticipation of something good and fun that's going to happen and watch, and they'll watch their. Clocks and make sure that that geyser explodes when it's supposed to explode. I believe, with all that I am, I truly do. Most people, and maybe some here tonight, are standing, waiting, crying out for a glimpse of happiness, a thread of joy. Something that they can cling or grasp onto. Matthew 9, 21 says the woman with the issue of blood she said to herself, if only I can touch his cloak I will be healed. If only I can touch Jesus. If only I can touch Jesus. Jesus. The lady who spoke must have thought this misery that I'm living with it will leave me and I will be filled with joy. I know it if I can just touch Jesus. And the Bible says in the, in the book of Mark the Bible says that when the lady touched his clothes Jesus felt the power leave him. You see it's not just getting rid of depression or anxiety or misery or something to find happiness it's not just getting rid of something but it's getting rid of and being filled with something that will give us true happiness in life you know doctors can give us a pill to get rid of something a pill to get rid of this or that but it doesn't fill what might be left empty in fact the bible talks about this as well and and i think it's luke yeah luke 11 24 to 26 it says, when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. You see, we can push things out of our lives and we can get everything in order and still be empty and still be wide open and create a vacuum. And then it goes and takes seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition is worse than the first. You see, friends, if we don't feel the vacuum that's left when we try to rid ourselves of something of, of anger or bitterness or depression or whatever it might be that's dragging us down, if we don't fill that up with something, it creates a void, and it'll leave us worse than ever before. So, how can we be happy? I was looking at the clock. Sorry, I've got a little bit of Pastor Frankie's disease. I just, little ADD there, um, squirrel. <laughs> uh, so, So how can we be happy? How can we stay happy? How can we make others happy? Well, gentlemen who are married, you know, the simple answer to that is a happy wife is a happy life. But seriously, God wants us to be happy. Let that soak in. God wants you to be happy. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, God wants you to be happy. The Bible verse, Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice. God wants us to be happy, not just experience happiness from time to time, but actually live a happy life. And as I mentioned, that happy life, then God wants it to be contagious. But to live happily, biblical happiness, what is that? I think we get a clue from Paul's life. And in Paul's life, we understand that that it's knowing who you are, knowing where you're going, knowing your purpose, And being comfortable in your own skin. Being confident in who you are in God. A happy child is confident. Two Sundays or three Sundays ago, I forget now, Pastor Frankie talked about anointing. And he said, God anoints you in areas in which you are already gifted. Do you all remember that? God wants to use who we are and anoint who we are and excel that. God can't do that if we're not confident in who we are. Last week, Teresa had a lens replacement. She'd been seeing through, she said, saran wrap. And after she had that procedure... She said things became so much clearer, vivid, colors like she'd never seen before. And everyone else who's had that procedure, I think, has said the same thing. They told her that, said, after you have that done, it'll be unbelievable. Sort of like what the anointing is that Pastor Frankie talked about. God anoints you in areas that you're gifted and you excel and you become confident and even creative in what you, in what you do. Paul alludes to that when he says, now I see dimly, then face to face. God's anointing on us as we're using our gifts and talents is a taste of the fullness of God. You know, Recognizing who you are, is one way to be happy, but also we've got to recognize who we are not. I know for a fact I'm not an engineer. Though I admire engineers, I appreciate the cars they build, the phones they design, the bridges they have, the buildings we live in. I appreciate everything that they do. But... I'm not going to read all the acceptance and terms and conditions before I click yes on your computer. If you want to go further, you've got to read all the terms. Do you accept these terms? I don't know what they say. Does anybody know what they say? I bet there's a few engineers that know exactly what that says. But I know that I'm not an engineer. And unfortunately, if I would begin to compare myself to an engineer, and say, you know, I'd really be happy because I know some wonderful engineers. If I were were like them, if I could do what they could do, or I should have gotten my degree in whatever, or you look at other families and you go, look at them. If I could just have it together like they have it together, our life would be happy. Our life would be fulfilled. We all know the answer. It's simple. It's basic. That's not the way it works. God created you to be you. And God wants to use everything in you and in your life, even the mistakes and the trips that you've tripped over, the Stumbles, the falls, the failures, everything that you have experienced up to now, God can use to reach someone else. God wants you just like you are so that he can be creative through you and anoint you and bless you. If I could tell you one thing tonight, it would be this. Recognize yourself as a beautiful creation of God called to do wonderful things for His kingdom. Not perfect in actions or thoughts. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But faithful in our pursuit to be like Him. Not perfect, but faithful in our pursuit. And one way... To do that is to start recognizing who you are, knowing who you are. For instance, I believe your name is significant in understanding who you are and who you can be. I started looking at at some of the, and some of you may have already looked up what your name means, but I started looking at some of the staff on the church here and what their names mean. Lance, for example, and we know Spear, but the name Lance also means godlike, leader, generous, moral, and balanced. Sarah, you'll appreciate this, you probably, it's a Hebrew baby name. Means princess, <laughs> nobility, <Perfect. laughs> S- excellence, Isaiah, salvation of God, Jonathan, it also is a Hebrew baby name, but it doesn't mean princess. It does mean manliness. Whoa, there you are. But also coupled with generosity and unselfishness. Dwayne, I looked up your name. I don't know where Dwayne is. That's all right. But it, it has the implications of good business ability. Steady, practical, a builder who takes responsibility. Pastor Frankie, kind, home-loving, hospitable, friendly, and also one who takes responsibility well. Too often we, I think, want what others have or to be what others are, who others are, and so we dream and we think what it might be to be like them or to have the job that they have, or the career that they have, or to the talents that they have. And what happens is that we become more disappointed in who we are, and we lose the joy that God has for us because we've gotten our mind off of what we're supposed to be thinking about and are thinking about other things. You know, one of the... I was telling Teresa... I said, you know, about a month ago, I said, you know, when I was young, I wish I was as cool as Lance. You know, Lance is cool, right? Everybody knows that. He's not afraid of the barber. <laughs> he's, uh, he's very creative. He can speak to multi-generations. He has that, he speaks with that iPad on that fancy little iPad stand, I even saw Sarah use the iPad the other day. So I said, hey, I can do that. So I put my notes on the iPad. But it just doesn't seem the same. I, why? Because I'm not Lance. I'm not Sarah. God made you. He made me just as we are, and we, He wants to use us for His glory. And some of you might think this. You might think, and this is where it gets somewhat difficult. You think, well, you know, I really don't like myself, I really don't like who I am. And I would answer that with two questions. Is that a God problem or is that a devil problem? Meaning, is it a feeling, is it because you have this feeling of insecurity, lingering guilt, a haunting shame? Friends, God does not do that and put that on us. All that is from the devil and it has no place in your life whatsoever. That will just breed discouragement and discouragement breeds more discouragement. Push that out. Like what Pastor Frankie oftentimes says and he moves his head, he says stay laser focused in who, and I would say stay laser focused in who God made you and in God's love for you. Or, is it a God problem in that is it a known sin and God is calling you to repent because he knows your full potential. And he knows that living in a known sin keeps you from your full potential and complete joy. Our worship team saying, oh, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. You see, when the Holy Spirit, uh, by the way, I don't know if I said that at the beginning, but I play that song about three days a week before I'm going into work because what it does, it gives me confidence in who I am in Jesus Christ to face whatever may be coming my way. I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm free. I know I'm clean. I ought to live happily today because of who Jesus is in me. When the Holy Spirit is alive in you, there exists an empowerment A confidence, knowing that we are victors and therefore cannot be victims. We're the head, not the foot. We're above and not beneath. We are eternal people in Christ, and no circumstance, I said no circumstance, can keep us from Jesus and the enjoyment and enthusiasm that he has for us. Take control of who you are. You are a child of God. Romans 8, we all know the passage. Romans 8, 38, 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That ought to give us confidence in standing tall that we are new people in Jesus Christ. Take control of your thoughts. Never let your emotions take your thoughts prisoner. We are children of God. As children of God, we stand confidently. Who who are who sell who are salespeople here? Don't be ashamed. Everybody sells something. Okay. You know when. When you land that sale or convince that committee, okay, if you're not a salesperson, you still are convincing people or doing something, we're all salespeople. But when you have, sell something, land the deal, whatever you want to say, it gives you more confidence, does it, doesn't it, to move on and to move further and further. We're all salespeople of sorts. I remember my first opportunity to sell myself. I asked was asking I asked Teresa out on our first date. It was a mistake. Well, it It wasn't a mistake. Did I say that out loud? No. <laughs> Me and three other college friends were standing around and and I said, "I'm going to ask Teresa out on a date," I think. I said, "What she, and so I decided to call the room. she room, called her room, she roomed with, had a roommate Carolyn, and I said, uh, "Whoever answers the phone, I'll ask them out." So I, I dialed the number, yes, dialed the number. It was that long ago. <laughs> I dialed the number. Carolyn answered. I froze. said is Teresa there? Okay, it's stall tactic. But but nevertheless, is Teresa there? No. Okay, great. No, I didn't say that. I was thinking, you know, it's okay, good. I don't have to ask anybody anything now because I surely can't, certainly cannot ask Carolyn, oh, well, hey, you want to go out then? I, I couldn't quite do that. If Teresa, and so she said no. I said, well, could you have her call me? And uh, so Teresa called me back and And I asked her out to go to a place called Snoopy's. So she said, yes. Then all of a sudden, that shy, awkward, young college student became the man, Okay, Samuel Scott Granberry Esquire, all right? So confidence comes with victories. Victories build confidence. When we get yeses. And what I want to tell you all too often, we're told we're told God is calling you. Well, he is. But call on God because God's answer to you will be yes. God forgive me of my sins. Yes. God, I need guidance in this situation. Yes. God, I need help in my future, in my relationship. Yes. God is a God of yes. So, so why aren't more of us happy? Mark 12, 30, 31, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, it's difficult to love others if we don't love ourselves. Real happiness comes in loving God, being confident in who we are, and loving others. And that confidence leads to creativity. Creativity. And one last thing I want to say tonight is that happy people are creative people. Last month, as I said earlier, I attended my grandson's five-year-old preschool graduation, and one of the exciting, other than other than watching my granddaughter, uh, we watched the young boys and girls walk across the stage. And as each of them walked across the stage, they would flash on the screen what they wanted to be when they grew up, the profession that they chose. And so, we had several lists, a young boy walked, an astronaut, a doctor, a teacher walked across the stage, a firefighter walked across the stage, and then Samuel, Tad, Maddox walks across the stage. great, fantastic, wants to fish for tuna. I think there's way too many wicked tuna episodes going on in that, in that uh, household. But when a child is dreaming, they're exploring the possibilities and they're asking questions of how Can I make this happen? And the same is true in reverse. You show me a person who doesn't dream. You show me a person who doesn't think of the future in positive ways, and I'll show you a person who is not happy. And we say to our children, how cute, let them dream. But what happens as adults? As adults, we start saying, ah, well, I'm too old to change. I'm stuck in this life. You know, some people don't enjoy life. They just endure it. They think that life must be perfect for them to be happy. I would say, stop it. In the name of Jesus and all that is good and right and holy, stop it. But Sam, (laughs) stop it. Paul wrote these words, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. If y'all could come up and play, that'd be great, or... Whoever's going to. Again, I say rejoice. He wrote those words from prison. Two years in the prison in Caesarea. Then he traveled and was taken on ship. The ship wrecked. He was stuck on an island, imprisoned there. He was bitten by a poisonous snake. And then he went on to Rome to face Nero, who was horrible to Christians. And there he waited for two years to, for his sentence of death. But he wrote these words, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Friends, if we focus on our problem, it'll increase in size. But you focus on God and your problem will shrink. Where is your attention? That's where you'll find either dissatisfaction in life or happiness in life. Are your thoughts on your circumstances hoping that they might change so you can be happy? Or are your thoughts on Jesus, on his anointing, on you for your purpose in the world? Let's stand. As I said earlier, the world is crying out for happy people and happy examples. I don't know where you are tonight, what you've come in here with. Maybe you brought in a heavy load, a heavy weight. But you know, our problems are not so much the problem, but it's the perspective that we see our problems with. I think it's time for us to begin to lead and live in this world by example, by living a happy life, confident in who we are in Jesus Christ. God made me as I am and creates in me new things so that I can reach other people for Him. Creative allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through us.